Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're doing a series called Free People Are. And I think for us, a couple years ago, my wife and I, we, we wanted to plant a church in Kelowna. We went to assessment. And we talked about this idea of, of what should we name our church? What should we, um, as a people, be about? Like, what do we look like when, when the church, for us in the future, what do we want to become? We really deeply believe that the gospel makes you free. The gospel is about Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, that for us, that we're sinful, broken people, and yet God wants to restore and redeem us through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. The gospel makes you free. It frees you to live the life that you're called to be. It meant for us that when we moved here, that we had to pursue finding freedom in our lives. For me, it meant the heavy work of, of looking at my life in a mirror. I think that's called, that's adult, called adult, adulting. Like we actually have to look at our lives in a mirror and say, who am I? Who am I really being? Seeing truly who you are and let it who Christ is. It looked like going to see a counselor weekly. It looked like having friends around me to support and encourage, but also call me out on things. It looked like realizing how sinful I am and yet how I'm loved through Christ. See, looking in a mirror of my life shows me what I value. It shows me what I hold close. It shows what I build my life on. It shows the things that I just ultimately worship and desire. It shows me ultimately who I created myself to be. I think a lot of times that when we think about ourselves, that we think that we have to create ourselves to be someone or something, but really I think that to find yourself, you have to discover who God created you to be, not create or manufacture. It makes us ask this question today is what do you value? Is what is your life built on? What are the things that you hold to? There are absolute things in your life that you hold to. Absolute things that you daydream about. If I just had a better family or a better marriage, if I just had more money, if I just had a better car, if I just had a better house, like we have things in our lives that are foundational pieces of our lives that ultimately we've made them. I have made things in my life foundational pieces of my life. You think about the things that you're angry about, the things you daydream about. Those pieces of your life in a moment, in a diagnosis, could be washed away. See, that's why Jesus is so captivating here. That's why Jesus is so captivating in making free people. See, free people know that their lives aren't based on what they can achieve, but what they receive in Jesus. I want to look today at the bookends of a gospel. And it's Luke's gospel. He's a physician. He's looking at an eyewitness account, compiling eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. And it's the very beginning, Luke chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, and the very end, Luke 24, verse 18 to 27. And I think it's really helpful for us to understand 
that free people, when you're truly free, your lives are found ultimately in Jesus, and it's all about Jesus. Free people are all about Jesus. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us, so it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the first, to write to you in orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. It moves down to Luke chapter 24. It says here, the one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked them. So he said to them, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. Jesus says to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into glory? Then being with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all Scripture. See, if we're going to build a case that we're saying that free people's lives are all about Jesus— Right off the bat, Luke makes this case where he's saying the first issue that anyone confronts Christianity with is you have to understand that what he's talking about, Luke is understanding that, that people are going to have this idea that it's not going to be true. Right? He says here, oh, excellent Theophilus. He's writing a cultured man, an educated man. He's saying here is that these are the accounts that I'm writing to a specific person who's cultured, who's educated, who actually knows about the Torah about the prophets. Luke is expecting that this book that he wrote, this gospel, this eyewitness account, will be read by educated and cultured readers. He merely deals with the fact that the average educated person wonders about this one thing. Right? When you you talk about an eyewitness account, when you talk about Jesus' life, right, there's always a question like, how do we know it's true? Or where do you get information? Or how do you know it's reliable? Right? If you begin to study Christianity or explore Christianity, immediately in our society, in today's age, the question comes up. The premise is that the accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, the, in the Gospels, are not as reliable as they say they are. They're basically legends. And therefore, we can't really know who Jesus is. We can't really know what he said or claimed or did because for modern people, they're saying that it's a legend. It's a huge barrier for people to find freedom in Jesus. 
that their lives would be all about Jesus. Luke immediately answers this question. He immediately confronts it. In a remarkable way, he's going to say here, I'm going to tell you the true story of Jesus. I mean, look at the, the objection for Christianity. He's telling us here is that Luke's saying, is, I'm about to give you the true story of Jesus. The true story, the eyewitness accounts. The reason why this isn't true isn't because some crazy person's writing their mom's basement. It's true because there's someone who saw it and he wrote it down. See, free people realize the gospel is all about Jesus. They realize that it's true and they realize that it's transformative. This is our first point. The first point is that free people realize the gospel is all about Jesus. It's a true story about Jesus. That might seem interesting and obvious, but in the beginning it says here that I'm going to give you an account of what he calls and says the things that have been fulfilled. Some translations say accomplished among us. See, in verse 1 of, chapter, of, of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1, it's an odd phrase and it might not strike you immediately, but it is as the things among us are historical events. He says, I'm going to recount to you the historical events of Jesus, the things that happened among us. You know, I think a lot of times he doesn't use the, actually the word happen, he uses the word fulfilled or accomplished. It's an odd word to, to use in relation to historical events because a lot of times when I say things like, you know, like, it happened or this, this event happened this way. But what Luke is trying to say is that all of history is fulfilled in Jesus. That Jesus Christ's life is the proof and the fulfillment that God is working in history for centuries. And all that is coming to a head in this one moment. It's Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. That's what he's saying here. The gospel is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's not about what you and I have accomplished. It's not about our lives. It's not about our achievements. It's about what he's achieved. I think a lot of times when we think about ourselves and life, who Jesus is, we think we're bringing so much to this. We're bringing so much to the cause of Christ. We're bringing so much to Jesus and his kingdom. We're bringing nothing. We're bringing our broken, sinful, broken selves. You and I are sinful people. Like sin isn't what we do, it's who we are. You see, the gospel is something that we accomplish, but we receive through Christ. It's not because of you, it's in spite of who you are. It's in spite of you that God's going to use you. He's going to use you in spite of all your failures and all your brokenness. And when we moved to Kelowna, we realized that I realized that I thought when we showed up here that people were going to be like, we are bought in to live free church. We're bought in to this mission about making Jesus known in Kelowna, about preaching the gospel, about building community groups. But you know what we're realizing is that God was already here working in people's lives. That God already knows all these people. He's, I feel like he was telling me, Colby, I'm not, like you're not bringing this amazing thing into my kingdom, that you're actually just broken, bringing your sin and your brokenness into my kingdom. kingdom. And in spite of your sin, in spite of your brokenness, I'm going to use you because of what Christ accomplished. 
The gospel isn't about you and I. It's about Jesus. And that's what we need to get into our head. It's about him, his work, his death, his resurrection. Our life is ultimately free when it's all about Jesus. The second point is that free people realize the gospel is true. Luke says in verse 3 and 4, you know, so it also seemed good for me, good to me, since I've carefully investigated everything from the very first, the very beginning, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. You know, what he's trying to say here is I'm about to give you not just the, not just the true story, but the true story of who Jesus is because it's true. See, I think what Luke is trying to take on is this, this belief today in popular media or in Kelowna that Jesus can't be trusted because the information isn't true. Luke is saying here is that we have to look at Jesus because, not because it's this great story, this great legend, because it's true. The reason why we have the Bible isn't because it's a great book that we need to read from. It's because Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He lived, he died, and he rose again. Luke takes it on. He directly, con- con- he directly kind of contradicts this idea that it's a legend. You know, he says, let me tell you, Theophilus, an actual person. I know you're educated, a sophisticated person, but let me tell you, Theophilus, where I got my information. He says, firstly, there was eyewitness accounts to who Jesus was and what he did and he said. Multiple, multiple, multiple eyewitness accounts. Right? If you go and like see a car crash, there's multiple eyewitness accounts to that. This is the same thing about Jesus. There's multiple eyewitnesses. Secondly, they delivered to us what they saw. They delivered what they saw to us. So people were talking. They saw these accounts of what Jesus did, miraculous things he did, the way he lived his life, the way he discipled people. And these people brought their accounts to Luke and he's writing them down. Thirdly, I've followed all these things closely and written an account about it. See, that's the reason why we believe it's true is because there's eyewitnesses. People delivered the accounts to Luke and he wrote in a way closely in a written account for us to, to be compiled so they could actually share it in the early church. When you think about this, that there was no reason for any ancient writer to write things down like this except the eyewitness source of the story remembered it. It was there because someone saw it and remembered it and wrote it down. These, these things can't be legends. I remember one time we were walking in Rome. We walked by a prison, and the prison was where Peter and Paul were imprisoned. I remember just being like so caught off guard in Rome and being like, wow, this isn't just like a book. This is real life. You know, I think I always knew that, but to experience it was a whole different thing. See, see, legends are never written like this, especially in this time, especially in a time where Luke's compiling the good news about who Jesus is. C.S. Lewis, who's a professor of literature at Oxford in Cambridge, puts it perfectly, it says here, for people who think, well, these are just legends. 
what he says about the Gospels, and he essentially says, I've been reading poems, romances, vision literature, legends, and myths all my life, and I know what they're like. I know none of them are like this. Of all the Gospel texts, texts, there's only two possible views. Either this is reporting, or else some unknown ancient writer with, a, with known predecessors suddenly anticipated the whole technique of a modern, novelistic, realistic narrative. You see, the reason why it can't be a legend is because they didn't compile literature like this in that time. The timing was way too early. It's too counterproductive. The literary style is too detailed. What Luke's saying here is Luke is going to enormous pain to say, O Theopolis, O readers, the story of Jesus, what I'm about to tell you, is true. Like Free people know that the gospel is true. But you don't believe the gospel because it's exciting, even though it really is. That you don't believe the gospel because it'll meet your needs, even though it will. You don't believe the gospel because it'll give, it'll give you a personal relationship with God, even though it does. You believe the gospel because it's true. It's true. See, if the story of Jesus isn't true, right, it will, it will be no help to you. It might be touching, it might be exciting, it might be moving, but it, if it's not true, it won't help you, and it won't change you, it won't transform you. Because it's his last point that free people realize the gospel is all about transformation. It's not just about information, it's about transformation. You think about any kind of like, any ban on Spotify or an album on iTunes, right? Like you might know of a band or a song, but to experience it, to go to a concert, I think that's why concerts are such an amazing thing, is when you go to a concert and you experience the band in the stadium, in the crowd. Like you might know a song, you might memorize it, you might like know the words to it, but see it sung in the way the, the original author is intended to be, to experience it's so different. Like, I might know of Mumford and Sons, but to sit there and to see Mumford sing it and to look at me while they sing it is an experience. I mean, the first time I went to Coldplay, and I saw Coldplay in a, in a concert, and Chris Martin ran up to the very back. And for a moment, it's terrifying because he's like, you know, 20 seats away from us, but to experience Coldplay in that kind of capacity was so much different than just knowing an album. Like, it was so much better live because I could experience it. Free people realize the gospel isn't just about information, it's about transformation. I think a lot of people know who Jesus is. They know their lives should be all about him. They know that their lives, that the gospel is true. But they just stay there. They stop there. They don't know the depth of Jesus' love because they don't think that they're sinful people. That you and I don't think that we're as bad as we really are. That there's depth to our heart, to our sin, to our brokenness, to our thoughts that only you know, that only you can see, that only you can comprehend. I'm realizing in front of a counselor as I'm talking slowly about my life that there's depths of my life like an onion peel back. There's layers and layers and layers and layers of just sin and brokenness. There's things that I haven't brought to Jesus. 
See, that's experiencing God's love, not just knowing about his love. There's a parable in Luke's gospel that shows the depth of God's love. It says here in Luke 7, verse 41, it says a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Since they could not pay it back, he graciously forgave them both. So Jesus is asking is, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one he forgave more. Jesus says, you've judged correctly, he told them. So I think the first part to not just knowing information about Jesus, but being transformed by him, is understanding the depth of your sin. That all of our lives, as Martin Luther says, is, is repentance. Like every moment of our lives is, is saying, God, there's things I pick up in my hands and I make ultimate things in my lives, but I want to follow you. And it looks like being transformed by the gospel, the truth of the gospel, and that my life's all about you. The way I organize my bank balance, the way I look at my money, the way I look at my sex life, the way I look at my relationships, the way I look at my kids, parenting, all these things are all about you, Jesus. Because the gospel is true. I was reading this book recently, and I've really wrestled and struggled with this idea of, of my, the depth of my sin. And I think for me, it's so easy to look at my sin, to look in a mirror and say, man, Colby, what, why are you like this? Why do you talk like this? Why are you this person? You're a fraud. You're an imposter. You're sinful. You're broken. All these things kind of creep up. And this, this author I was reading, this book I was reading, he said here is that every time you look at your sin, transform people need to look and glance at Jesus. I was like, I think, I think for every time you look at your sin, you need to glance five times at Jesus. Because it reminds you if your identity and trust is put in Jesus' life. It's not something you and I accomplish. It's actually something that we receive through Christ's life, his death, his resurrection. It changes us. See, free people start by not finding the freedom in their heart or their life. It's, they start by realizing their life is all about Jesus. Our lives are ultimately free when they're found in him. I remember in grade 10 finding Jesus for the first time and being like, why did it take me so long to hear about Christ? Like, why did I live in Kelowna for 14 years but move to Quinnell and hear about Jesus for the very first time through the, a really terrible moment in my life? Like, there's people all around us who don't know that our lives are all about Jesus. See, our, our lives are ultimately free when they're found in him, when our lives are all about him, about Jesus. See, free people realize the gospel is so true that this isn't just a made-up myth or legend or story. Like, it's actually a true eyewitness story about how Jesus lived, but it's not just information. It's actually transformative the depth of our sin only increases the God, God's love for us. It only shows us how desperately we need God's love every day. Remember someone, someone once said to me, says, yeah, I know what the gospel is. Let's move on to, that, to other things, to prophecy, to tongues, to, to spiritual gifts. No, the gospel is everything. 
And I think when we dismiss it, we realize that our sin really isn't that bad. We think that we're actually not that bad or that sinful people. When I wake up in the morning every day, I desperately need more of Jesus every day. I need less of Colby. Ultimately, free people, they look in that mirror of their lives, the reflection that they see back. When your identity is found in Jesus, you're not just seeing yourself for who you are, you're seeing Jesus. His love. His grace. His forgiveness. It's like that debtor. Do you understand how, how in debt you were in your sin and yet how loved you are? Free people realize that their lives need to be all about Jesus. Free people need to realize that the gospel is true. Free people understand that it's all about Jesus. It's all about transformation through Christ's life, his, his death, his resurrection. It changes us. It changes the things we value, the way we parent, the way we're a, a husband or a wife. It changes the way we do everything in our life. And people ask questions because they're like, there's something different about your life. So if you'd love to join us, you know, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of, of who are free people. And our culture, I think, has a, has a contrasting view of who free people are in our society. And we're saying that ultimately, you are a free person when you realize that you're in bondage to sin and brokenness. And your freedom comes when you don't have to accomplish anything or spin anything or create anything, when your, your freedom comes, when you're found ultimately in Jesus' works and what he's accomplished on the cross. Let's pray. God, I thank you for how you created us to have a relationship with you. I know sometimes my life isn't about, about you. It's about my own works, about my own achievements and accomplishments. Especially in ministry, it's so easy to get caught up in the things that I desire or my pride or my arrogance that we think that we have the only way forward in, in Kelowna for a church plant. But no, my life ultimately, Jesus, would be all about you and help me to understand that it's all about you. Help me to understand that the gospel isn't just true, but it's transformative, and that you actually want us to not just glance at our own sin and brokenness, but to glance at you every day. Help us to glance at you. Help us to see you. Help us to understand you. Help us to choose you and put you in our lives as king of our life, not just an ornament on a shelf. Help me to do that. I pray that you'd move people to see their sin and brokenness for what it is. And have the depth of your grace and your goodness for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.